Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today I wanted to look at the character and nature of the disciplines uh, as we get started today, and then we'll get into uh, practicing Guido's The Ladder and and continuing to look at uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 as a way of uh, going about that. So uh, as we look to the disciplines, though, I, I thought it would be good for us to say that we're... Say, say what we're trying to do. What, what are we attempting here as we look at uh, discipline? Uh, discipline has a, has an, is a kind of an interesting word in the English language. We sometimes think of it as a, a discipline as punishment. Uh, other times we, we look at um, a great gymnast or a sportsman and we say, wow, he's got tremendous discipline. And that's a, it's quite a compliment. And as we look to the spiritual disciplines, we mean almost something else again. Because if you think about what a musician does, I remember watching uh, Doc Severson when I was a kid, and he's playing the trumpet on The Tonight Show, and I was learning the trumpet back then. And as as he would play, he would he was so amazing, so versatile. He would just think something, and it would happen. And it looked so effortless. And when I was playing, everything was such an effort from the muscles in my lips to the placement of my fingers to the uh, operation of my breath. Everything was such a struggle to get it right. And then after all that, I was trying to make music out of it. And here he was just thinking amazing music and there it was. And of course, the difference between the two of us was years and years and years of disciplined practice. And so as we look at the uh, at that idea of discipline, it's a discipline that gives you the freedom to express yourself the way you want to, in, in, in that case of a musician. But in our case, what we're trying to do is have the discipline to discipline our mind, our will, our emotions, and we're disciplining ourselves so that we can focus on the presence of God and allowing him to have his way in our lives. We were designed by God to live in his presence, and we are no longer capable of doing so. And so through the, through the miracle of God sending his son and reestablishing that relationship, bringing us from death to life, to, from, light to, from darkness to light. And in that, now we have the opportunity to have a relationship with him again, but we are weak and unready for it. Uh, even as uh, believers and followers of Jesus and, and those who have committed our lives to him and to seeking God, uh, still, we need discipline 
in order to overcome all the ways that we are weak and frail and uh, our minds are, are wandering and sidetracked easily and deceived easily. Our will is um, weak and unable to force us to do what we know we want to do. And our emotions are all over the place. We feel like we're in darkness when actually the light is all around us. And sometimes uh, we feel very light when actually darkness is around us. And we, we are, our emotions are confused, our will is weak, our mind is distracted, and we need discipline to put ourselves back on that track where we can open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit and we can feel and live in the presence of God who is then informing us of what our will should be willing, uh, focusing our mind on what is good and true and perfect, and focusing on our emotions on the reality of his light and his love. And so as we, um, as we think about the disciplines, what are they doing? Are they making God love us more? If we put in more prayer time, does he love us more for that? No, of course not. We cannot make God love us more. And so often we feel very guilty about our lack of discipline. And we feel guilty, oh, that, oh, this guy, he prayed so much. He used to pray two hours a day or four hours a day or however many hours a day. And I'm struggling to come up with 10 minutes. And uh, I was really helped in this understanding um, when I read the journal of David Brainerd. He was a a missionary to the uh, Native Americans in the 18th century. And as he went out, um, he would study and he would pray. And the way he referred to it in his journal is he'd say, went for a walk in the woods today. God gave me the grace to pray with him for two hours. And I thought, wow, God gave me the grace to do it. Not I'm eaten up with guilt that this day I didn't pray, or this day I didn't take two hours, or I only got two hours, but it was God gave me the grace for two hours today. And just living in that attitude of thankfulness uh, was so powerful for, for me to hear him do that and to know that as I have the grace of God to, to give him five minutes or five hours, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's his grace. And, um, and focusing on the the, the positive, the positive ways that God is drawing us to himself and then giving ourselves in to the discipline to do it day after day after day. What we can do, we should do. So the disciplines lead to freedom in the same way that the discipline of the musician gives him the freedom to play the instrument. Uh, the discipline of our spiritual disciplines lead us to a freedom of spirit where we can live in the presence of God and let him express himself through us in a lost and broken world. As we move to our Lexio today, that we would look again at the Beatitudes. And here we are in Matthew chapter 5. And let's say I'm reading along here in Matthew 5, and here I am in verse 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And my spirit leaps and I say, wow, they will see God? Blessed are the pure in heart? What does this mean? And I feel God is speaking to me about this. And so I stop my Lexio Divina and I begin a time of meditation upon this word. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, the first thing that strikes me, of course, is that pure in heart. And I think, wow, I'm, I'm not pure in heart. I'm, so uh, clearly this is blessed as somebody else. Um, I'm not a pure person. It doesn't say blessed is a per- pure person. And probably it says that because there are no pure people. You know, it just, it doesn't happen. And I think our best example of, of this is going to be David. As I think about David was a man after God's own heart. So I guess if anybody had a pure heart, it would have been David. But when David went to build the temple, uh, God didn't let him do it. He said, oh, you're a man who shed blood. You're not going to build my temple. So David wasn't a pure person. Uh, But David had a heart after God's own heart. So what does it mean then for this person to be pure in heart? And how can I have such a pure heart? I remember years ago when I first came to Middle Earth and we needed some work done on our house and this uh, young man began working on our house and um, he he seemed like a nice guy, but he I, I could... I thought maybe he had a problem with alcohol, and I thought maybe he was a bit of a scoundrel, and I asked the neighbors about him, and they all said, oh, yeah, he's he's got a white heart. And I thought, what does that mean? He has a white heart. And as I got to know him, and I learned that expression in the local language, that white heart expression, and I began to understand that it was the kind of person who was a bit of a scoundrel, who made poor choices in his own life. Maybe he was addicted to alcohol, maybe he was addicted to other things, but it was the kind of person who made poor choices, but actually he was a really nice guy. He did things for others, he was thoughtful about others. Um, you know, you weren't afraid of this person. Um, he, he clearly had other people's interests in mind, but for himself, he, he made bad decisions. And so when I think about this pure in heart, I think, you know, I don't always make very good decisions for myself, and uh, I don't serve others well all the time, Um, but am I pure in heart? What would it mean for me to be pure in heart? And I thought about how they described uh, this guy that, that became my friend who was working on my house, and I think, I think he's like David. I think he's like David in that David had a pure heart. What did that mean? He was a shepherd. He had a shepherd's heart. And he goes on to describe this, David does. In in the Old Testament, you see both in the Psalms and in the Chronicles that talk about David and 1 Samuel. 
and um, you see this guy who's dedicated at first to his sheep. He's a shepherd, and uh, he lays his life down for his sheep. You know, he takes that bear, kills a bear and a lion with his bare hands, um, not running away when the bear and the lion come after the sheep. No, he's going in there, and uh, and he's putting his life on the line for these guys because the sheep... He loves the sheep. He's going to take care of the sheep. It's his job to think about the sheep ahead of his own safety and comfort. And then as he becomes king, he does the same thing. Yeah, you know, he makes some selfish, terrible decisions. He commits adultery. He commits murder. He's, uh, he's a warrior who actually kills a lot of people. And as he goes through doing all of this, his heart is to serve Israel and to serve God. And I, I think about that. So this is the pure-hearted person, the one who's dedicated to serving God. And of course he makes mistakes. And of course he's not perfect in that. We're not that strong. We're not that capable. And it's not on our merits, our actions, that we're... Um, uh, that we're ultimately judged. I mean, I have to be careful how I say this. In one respect, we are judged by every word that we say and every action that we do. In one respect. But as, as Jesus tells us that we're to judge rightly, it's a matter of judgment of the heart. So that the person who does the excellent thing but he does it for selfish motives. He does it so that everybody will look at him and think how awesome he is. But for the person who's, who's, who isn't able to do such excellent things, I remember the story of the widow's mite, where the widow comes and puts just two small coins into the offering plate, and Jesus says he, she's given more than all the rest together. What does that mean? She didn't give more than all the rest together. She gave two small coins. Other people gave lots and lots of gold and, and expensive things. So she didn't give more than everybody else. But Jesus said she did. And why did he say that? Because he's judging the heart. It's not only the outcome of what you do, but it's the motivation of why you do it. Because God, if you think about it this way, God doesn't need you to do anything. You know, he, he can get things done without you and me. But what he wants are a people that are his own people. This is what he's creating in you and me. He's creating the people of God. He's calling to get, he calls us a, a kingdom of priests. And uh, as, he, as he calls out this people, um, it's not what we can accomplish, what we can do for him that he's concerned about. It's who we are in our essence, who we are in our hearts. And so here we have the words, blessed are the pure in heart. And to be pure in heart is to be dedicated to God and dedicated to others. As Jesus says in the when he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's loving God and loving God's children, those whom he's created. 
And so this, then, if this is our motivation, then we are, we are pure in heart. And this, of course, as David Brainerd reminded us in the beginning when I was talking about discipline, it's a grace of God. He's given you the will and the desire to serve others and to serve him. And this is his grace that he's given us. And we've put it, that discipline to it, and put it into action. And now we're loving God and we're loving others. And that is what enables us to say we have a pure heart. It's the will and the desire to, to do God's bidding and to serve God and to serve others. And to put yourself in second place at the bottom of the rung. And what's the reward? The reward is that you'll see God. Well, how is it that you get to see God? It's because as you look towards God, he becomes visible to you. What do you mean by that? Like I'm going to see a giant throne sitting in the clouds with this big guy with white hair sitting on it? No, that's nonsense. Um, What does it mean to see God? As we have a heart after God, we begin to realize that he's at work all around us. The person who is a liar believes that everybody else is a liar. He sees liars everywhere. Um, Or to put it in a more humorous thing, I used to roof houses um, my first summer out of high school in order to get some money together to go to college, I roofed houses. And um, it, was, it was the weirdest experience for me as I roofed houses and I, I was on so many different kinds of roofs and some houses were very easy to roof and other houses were very difficult to roof. And then I found myself, as I drove down the street, I would just be looking at the roofs and thinking, ooh, that one would be really tough. Oh, that would be an easy one to roof. Oh, that one over there really needs a new roof, you know. <laughs> and as I looked, I just saw roofs everywhere because I was a roofer. Well, as we become children of God with a pure heart and focused on God, we begin to see him at work everywhere because he is at work everywhere. And we just don't see him all the time because we're thinking about ourselves and our problems and our issues and as we see our problems and our issues we look around and what do we see more problems and more issues to to distract us from god Uh, so you 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 become more and more like what you're focused on and so are you focused on uh, the news and are you focused on uh, certain people what voices are you listening to because you need to be focused on the word. You need to be focused on alexio, whether it, both as the word of God and in this world, wherever God's voice is heard, you need to be listening for that and focused on that. And then with a pure heart, you can begin to see God everywhere. Not because he's suddenly shown up everywhere, but because you have suddenly have eyes to see him. And I guess I just, this is such a challenge to me. I know why God's highlighted this for me. Because I can get so sidetracked with um, 
the things going on in the world. There's so much violence. There's so much evil. So many people don't have pure hearts, are absolutely dedicated to harming others and to living their life in a way that is selfish and self-centered. And as I focus on those people, I become more and more fearful about myself. And my heart becomes less and less pure. And then I see more and more evil. And it's such a spiral, such a downward spiral. And so I, I want to pray today, Lord, help me to focus on you. Help me to see only you at work. For even in the most despicable people around me, you were there. You created them. And you have a will for their lives. And you are calling to them, even as you're calling to me. Lord, may I hear your voice and see you and see you at work or in all the people around me and all around this world. And in that, that vision of you, I would be changed to become more and more like you, both in my heart and my mind and my will and my emotions. Now, let's move to a time of contemplation. Let's read our verse out of Revelation 3 and that picture that we have in our brains. Imagine Jesus standing at your door and he's going to knock and he says, Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Open the door. And now let's slowly say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who are in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.